Will VP Harris drawing a line in the sand for a two-state solution hold? Behind the scenes at the COP28 conference in Dubai, Vice President Harris has been engaged in aggressive diplomacy to try to bring about a two-state solution in Israel, something currently opposed by Prime Minister Netanyahu. She has spoken with several Middle East leaders, including Egypt's president and the King of Jordan, at the Global Climate Summit in Dubai over the weekend. Yesterday, she gave an impassioned speech about it. Quote, I've had a number of conversations with Arab leaders here in Dubai. The international community must dedicate significant resources to support short- and long-term recovery in Gaza. The Palestinian Authority security forces must be strengthened to eventually assume security responsibilities in Gaza. Until then, there must be security arrangements that are acceptable to Israel, the people of Gaza, the Palestinian Authority, and the international partners. The Palestinian Authority must be revitalized, driven by the will of the Palestinian people, which will allow them to benefit from the rule of law and a transparent, responsive government, end quote. Putting the vice president out front is a good beginning, both for peace in the Middle East and for Joe Biden's 2024 candidacy. And given the stakes of the 2024 election for both America and the Middle East, this is an important time for Kamala Harris to step forward. When John F. Kennedy ran for president in 1960, most Americans knew very little about his running mate, Texas Senator Lyndon Johnson. Moreover, they didn't much care. Kennedy was a robust 43 years old, and odds that he'd succumb to disease or old age weren't even considered. And the last president assassinated was McKinley in 1901, which nobody of voting age then remembered. Therefore, outside of Texas, when JFK campaigned that year, almost nobody, almost none, he almost never even mentioned LBJ. Nobody really cared. That won't be true next year. Regardless of who the Republican nominee is, their line of attack against, against the Biden-Harris ticket will be simple. You'll be voting for a man who will be 82 years in his first year in office, which means you're really voting for Kamala Harris to become president at some point during the next four years. As predictable as Republicans relying on attacks instead of highlighting their own positions and policies, that will be followed by, do you know her? Do you trust her? Let me tell you about all the terrible... about." all about how terrible she is, what a radical black woman she is, the terrible things she's done in her life and career, end quote. Outside of California, most Americans know virtually nothing about Kamala Harris, and the new voters who will be showing up in 2024, Zoomers fresh out of school and women who'd never voted before but are now enraged by the Dobbs decision, know even less because they weren't paying attention during the 2020 Democratic primary debates. If you're old enough, you'll recall what happened the last time a Democratic nominee failed to define himself well enough that his identity was bulletproof going into the election. The Swift Boat Veterans for Truth got out ahead of John Kerry and defined him for the American public, leaving him to rather helplessly argue that he wasn't a preening elitist opportunist who lied about his service in Vietnam. It didn't work, and he lost the election to George W. Bush, who ironically is alleged to have gone AWOL during the Vietnam War. If that doesn't give you pause, consider this. The main advisor to the Trump 2024 campaign, he now runs Trump's Preserve America Super PAC, is Chris LaCivita, the very guy who organized the Swift Boat campaign against Kerry. And LaCivita gets around. As Lincoln Project co-founder Reed Galen noted on Twitter, did you know that No Labels co-founder Pat McCrory and Donald Trump share a top advisor, none other than Mr. Swift Boat himself, Chris LaCivita? The serious attacks and distortions and half-truths about Kamala Harris probably won't start for another few months or maybe even well into next year, which gives the Democratic Party, the Biden-Harris campaign, and conservative, conservative activists, 
concerned activists like you and me some time to get Harris's bio and accomplishments out and into the public eye. And sending her to the Middle East, the Biden administration is taking an important step. Her invisibility up at this point, I'd argue, is an actual crisis given Biden's age. In fact, it's already begun. As Nikki Haley recently said, quote, if you vote for Joe Biden, you are really voting, you are really counting on a President Harris because the idea that he would make it until 86 old at the end of his second term is not something that I think is likely, end quote. Establishing a political and personal identity in the public's mind early on is crucial to effective campaigning and to developing a campaign that can withstand personal and political attacks. At the same time, the administration is using the power and prestige of the vice presidency to push for a two-state solution, which Prime Minister, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has vowed will never happen. And the face of that now is Kamala Harris. As Israel continues its bombing campaign, killing more civilians in Gaza, this is an important turn for the Biden administration, both diplomatically and politically, for, President, for Kamala Harris to step forward, particularly now given the threat a second Trump administration would present to America and the world as we officially head into the campaign season. When people believe they know somebody well, it's hard to change their minds. When they know little about someone, it doesn't take much to redefine that person and destroy their electoral chances. Everybody in America knew who George W. Bush was. His family was a dynasty just like JFK's, and his dad had been president. John McCain had been flogging his own brand for so many years people could recite his war hero Maverick bio in their sleep. Barack Obama burst onto the scene, but with such vigor and press attention because of his novelty as the first serious black nominee that he was well and positively defined before Republicans could take a swipe at him. Biden had been around forever and ran for president three times before. He was a known quantity in 2020. Even Mitt Romney came from a, politi a dynastic political family and was well known before his campaign began. But Kamala Harris right now is a cipher. As VP, part of her job is, not, is to not eclipse the president. So it makes a certain amount of sense that the White House had, hasn't been pushing her into the headlines. But this is not a normal presidency. When Reagan left office... At 77, he was far advanced in dimension, so far advanced in dimension that he often didn't know where he was. And there's the problem. The major issues are generally handled by the president and the VP, with the VP nowhere to be seen. Witness the NATO summit and the meetings around it. If Harris had gone, Republicans would have said she was there because Biden is losing it. It is, after all, a meeting of heads of state. Without her attendance, however, it's one more lost chance to claim a personal accomplishment. Which leaves us with this quick, simple test. Quick, name her top five accomplishments in either life or VP or both. Identify a handful of her experiences and characteristics that would make a person, particularly a young person, want to vote for her. If you're stumped, the Democratic Party is facing a potential catastrophe, not to mention the tri tri triple whammy of her being black, Asian, and female. Harris certainly had accomplishments in California and in the Senate, but those are now ancient history. And as VP, when you search the web for her accomplishments, most of what you find are speeches she's given and the unusually large number of tie-breaking votes she's cast in the Senate. And, of course, all the right-wing attacks on her that have already accumulated. Wikipedia, which is relentlessly edited by paid right-wingers. I once walked through a boiling room, boiler room in a right-wing think tank where nearly every screen was open to Wikipedia. Spends almost as much time echoing right-wing hits on her as it does mentioning her votes, travels, and speeches but she has had some very real and consequential successes. 
President Biden famously dumped the southern border situation in Harris's lap, and today that crisis has become a mere trickle of a problem. Harris played a large role in this, working with central, multiple Central American governments to reduce the political and economic pressures that were sending people north. Believing that people with jobs don't flee their country, she met with the presidents of El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala and pressured U.S. companies doing business in the area to step up, helping secure over $4 billion in local job-creating commitments from 47 major con- companies that didn't pull jobs away from America. She's met with more than 140 foreign leaders and secured promises of hundreds of millions in aid for Central America from Ireland, Finland, Japan, and South Korea. She worked with Microsoft to get millions of Central American homes wired for Internet, and MasterCard helped over a million small businesses set up payment systems at a very low cost. As the voice of America, mainstream media ignored the story, noted, quote, Commitments by the companies include Microsoft's agreement to expand Internet access to as many as 3 million people in the region by July 2022. And Nespro's plans to begin buying some of its coffee from El Salvador and Honduras with a minimum regional investment of $150 million. Chobani has agreed to bring its incubator program for local entrepreneurs to Guatemala, while MasterCard will aim to bring 5 million people in the region who currently lack banking services into the financial system and give 1 million micro and small businesses access to electronic banking. The results of her efforts over the past two years, combined with Biden administration changes to the way refugees and immigrants are allowed in and processed has turned the border crisis that Biden inherited from Trump into a rather orderly process. It's far from perfect, but it's now well under control. The Washington Post published a major article about the changes at the border titled Southern Border Eerily Quiet After Policy Shift on Asylum Seekers. But even after noting, quote, the preliminary result is a nearly 70% drop in illegal entries since early May, according to the U.S. Customs and Borders Protection Data Quota. Nowhere in the Post article are Harris's substantial contributions to solve, help, solve, helping solve the problem even mentioned. Her name doesn't even appear in the article. And that's just one of several issues she's worked on with success. Others include initiatives to deal with the abortion crisis and protect women's private medical information in the wake of the Dobbs decision, helping get rid of universities and co- helping get aid to universities and colleges, particularly HBCUs, 36 of which have been subject to white nationalist bomb threats, and participating in every major decision-making meeting in the White House, including Biden's decision to pull U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. And now, wisely, in my opinion, the Biden administration is centered in Dubai to represent the United States at COP28, but also to give a major policy speech, both asserting American support of Israel and warning the Netanyahu government about possible loss of American support if they continue what appears to be indiscriminate killing of civilians. It's easy to understand that too much attention on Harris detracts from Biden's accomplishments, and he's the actual candidate for president, not to mention the fact that her approval numbers are even lower than his. But that also argues for raising her profile, since she will be more on the ticket and on the minds of voters, particularly undecided and swing voters, than any vice president in our lifetimes. Seeing that happen now at COP28 in Dubai around the red-hot issue of a two-state solution is a very good sign. And hopefully her stepping into this topic on the world stage will both help bring peace to the Middle East and elevate her profile. The White House, the press corps, the progressive media, and those of us who participate on social media must, must start talking about and telling the stories of Vice President Harris. Otherwise, the Swift Boat guys will define, define her and tell their twisted version of her story to the American people just, surely, just as surely as the sun will come up tomorrow.